This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, with no limit on how much you can earn. It's amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So, when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash match. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Time now for the song that changed my life. It's a segment we do where musicians reach back, sometimes way, way back, to tell us about the music that made them who they are today. This week, our guest is Buddy Guy. You probably know this already, but Buddy is one of the greatest blues guitarists alive today. He's won eight Grammy Awards. He's been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for more than 15 years. He's performed for presidents, shared stages with B.B. King, Howlin' Wolf, even Muddy Waters. Recently, Buddy was the subject of an episode of PBS's American Masters, where he talked about his creative process and career. We decided that would be a great chance to talk with a literal living legend about the song that changed his life. From his home studio in Chicago, Buddy took us back to his childhood in Louisiana. His song? John Lee Hooker's Boogie Chillin'. Here's Buddy. Hi. I'm Buddy Guy, and this is one of the songs that changed my life. The first time I heard Booger Chillin', I must have been about 14 or 15 years old. It took a while for my dad to get a radio, and, and they had a, a radio station coming out of Tennessee, WLAC. And I'm pretty sure Booger Chillin' was probably the first elected guitar that I ever heard. I had never seen an elected guitar. The first elected guitar I ever seen, there was a guy, a blues guy named Lightning Slim. And he came out in Letchworth, Louisiana, and plugged that thing up on the storefront store. And I thought it was a joke when he plugged it in and that little amplifier started coming through. And I say, now, I don't know what this is, but whatever this is, I would love to have a piece of that. I learned something about that. And I got a chance to meet him before he died and learn a few things from him. We didn't have electricity, so we didn't have records. The only music we had was a lot of gospel 
And uh, what we would do, we'd work all day from sunup to sundown. We didn't have air conditioning. It was so hot. And the only fun we had would go out there with the mosquitoes and things and just hum and sing gospel stuff. And uh, I wasn't the only one doing it, but I was the only one that uh, kept it after I got a chance to get my hands on uh, a guitar. That beat there was like something new. And I'm like saying to myself, what the hell is this now? Whatever this is, I want a, I want a piece of it. I got my first guitar when I was about 13 or 14. What went through my mind, if I could learn how to do that, I would be the only guy, because you couldn't look up and say, if I learn how to do that, I'm going to make a good living at it. Because John Lee and all those guys in the early days, they wasn't making a hell of a lot of money. No, no black guy was making money. They were playing for the love of music and the love of a drink. And if you could play good enough, you got you a good-looking woman. So that's what all you had to look at back then. And I said, if I could learn how to play that, I'm going to be like a sole thumb among the other kids around me. I'm going to be able to do something nobody else, none of these other kids are going to be able to do. There wasn't no school for to teach me how to play the guitar. I said, I got to learn this for myself. But there was one guy they would go get every Christmas. And his name was Henry Smith, but we call him Coot. And he could play the Lonnie Johnson stuff. And on Christmas morning, when if we was able to get a toy, I used to have to make my toys because we was just that poor. And they would get a case of beer and a gallon of wine, and they go from house to house, Christmas Eve night to Christmas night, house to house in the country and drank it all up. And every time the guitar player would get real high and go to sleep, I would go get the guitar and try to figure out what the hell he was doing. Yeah, it took me quite a while to learn how to play Booger Children. I, I can't tell you whether it's a month or two months or six months. my fingers in on Boogie Chillin', I didn't move because you didn't have to move your fingers. You stayed in one spot and just wrapped it. And I learned it and I was by myself and didn't nobody, couldn't nobody else hear it. So I just got up and started walking. I said, I want somebody to hear this in case I can't find this anymore. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to find it again. So I walked about five miles to my first cousin. One of my first cousins said, boy, you got it. I said, but I'm afraid to quit because I ain't going to be able to find it no more. But I found it again. I had it, and I did never lose that again. I, that Boogie Chillin' carried me till the day, and I can still play it today. I was walking down Haven Street. I heard everybody talking about the Henry Swain Club. I saw that drop in there that night. And when I
And see that amplifier he's playing through now? You can't get that tone no more because they made him bigger and uh, better looking. But that tone he got there now is hard to get. I don't even know if you can find that anymore on an amplifier. A lot of black people in those days were dancing called the Boogie Woogie. They did the boogie on stuff like that, and he hit it right on time when he said Boogie Chiller. Boogie Chiller. We'd be in one of those old juke joints. Everybody in there was booging, man, down to the floor, man, swinging them gals from one end of the club to the other. I got a chance to meet him and, and, and played with him before he passed away. And this is one of the highlights of my career. One night I was laying down. I heard Mom and Papa talking. You might not know this, but John Lee Hooker had a stutter in his whole life when he was speaking. When he was singing, he did not have it. But there was a town in Germany called Baden-Baden, Germany. It's still there. So I got a tour to go there with Horseman and Lippmann, a folk blues festival. They had a television show, and everybody was drinking pretty heavy, including John Lee Hooker, Big Mama Thornton, and people like that. And uh, the guy, the promoter, looked at me and said, I want you to do me a favor. I'm going to give you $50 a week to make sure everybody's up and ready to catch the bus. And they was down in the lobby of the hotel this particular morning. So I knew John Lee Hooker and Big Mama was there, and I never did meet them here in the United States. So I said, I just can't wait to see John Lee Hooker. And I didn't know he started. So when I got downstairs that morning, I heard a lot of noise, and they was talking and having fun. And so I just picked up the acoustic guitar and went sat in the corner and started hitting Booger Chillin'. And this guy came over and punched me on the shoulder and started laughing and said, you playing Johnny? I say, yeah. And I'm like saying, I don't want to talk to you. I just want to get attention to John Lee Hooker, wherever he is, you know. And finally, Big Mama came over and she was laughing and crying out of one eye. Say, that's John Lee, buddy. I say, John Lee? This is not John Lee sounding like this, do you? And he started laughing and crying. He said, I'm Johnny. I said, I was looking for John Lee. And that's when they fell out laughing and said, this is John Lee Hooker. And we were friends until he passed away. Boogie, Chula. I tried to get all the info I could from him and other people how he made Boogie Chiller. Because back then, I don't think you had too many producers as are trying to tell him how to play. Matter of fact, <laughs> I don't think he would let you tell him how to play because he just played, I'm playing John Lee. I don't care if you like it or not. I heard Papa tell Mama, 
Cause it's in him And it got to come out Well I felt so good And I went on boogie boogie Just the same Yeah When I first saw John Lee Hooker play alive For me that was a dream come true That I never dreamed of And I didn't ever think the guitar could bring me from there to here talking to you today. Then you would hear some of the people who was really falling in love with it like me say, play that again, man. You know, that sounds so nice, you need to play it twice. Yes, I know. Never be another one like that one. Every time I hear that, that takes me back to 12, 13, or 14 years old. And buddy, you must have spent a lot of time to try to be sound similar to him or learn learn something from him by listening to him. And I was blessed to meet him before he died. And I was blessed to meet... Most of the guys that I learned everything from, I didn't learn nothing from a book. I learned from listening and watching those guys, the way they didn't use their fingers. And the way they use, there ain't no way to worry me because I could sing like them because they, when you hear him sing, man, that's a natural voice. When you hear Howlin' Wolf, that was natural. When you hear B.B. King and Bobby Blaine, that was natural. When you hear Buddy Guy, it might be a little fake thing going on there because I'll be trying to cop them all. <laughs> Buddy Guy on the song that changed his life, Boogie Chillin' by John Lee Hooker. The American Masters documentary on him is called Buddy Guy, The Blues Chase the Blues Away. You can catch that on your local PBS station or at pbs.org. Let's go out with one more song from the great Buddy Guy, a classic from 1970s, I Was Walking Through the Woods. This is First Time I Met the Blues. You know you with me every morning, blues. And I've never gotten to wonder what the world do you want with me. I can't sleep at night. And I can't nap through the day. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California, where today temperatures finally dropped, if briefly, below 80, and I immediately donned blue jeans. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson, producer Jesus Ambrosio. Production fellows at Maximum Fun are Richard Roby and Valerie Moffat. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Thanks to Max Fun producer Christian Duenas for cutting together that Buddy Guy segment on this week's show, and to Jack Allen for recording Dan and Jessica in London. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team, thanks to them and to their label Memphis Industries for sharing it with us. Always very grateful to them for that kindness. You can also keep up with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We post all our interviews there, and I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. 
Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. What's your reader wheelhouse? A woman on a journey, space, post-apocalyptic roads, and magical food. Mallory, what's your reader wheelhouse? Werewolves, haunted houses, weird fiction, and uh, books set in Florida for, for some reason. We're reading glasses, and we want to know what your reader wheelhouse is. We can use it to help you find more books that you love. And avoid books that you don't. So whatever you like to read about and however you like to read it, We want to help you read better. Reading glasses every Thursday on Maximum Fun.